This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. Sons of the Shoe is back. It's Spencer German. Ryan Solo, unfortunately, tonight. My partner in crime, Nick Wilson, had a uh, personal matter that he needed to attend to this evening. So it's just me, not quite midnight here in Northeast Ohio. Um, but the clock has struck midnight on the Buckeye season in disappointing fashion, of course, following the the 14-3 loss to the Missouri uh, to Missouri out of the SEC and, and in the Cotton Bowl. An unfortunate one, an embarrassing one on a lot of fronts as well as uh, I think people are still sort of coming to terms with what we just witnessed over the last four hours of our life, including a first half that included just three total points scored. Um, On top of that, the two teams had combined for just 48 yards passing in the first half, and there were one of 16 on third down. Finally, finally, the offenses came to life a little bit in the second half. Ohio State even moved the ball a little bit better. Missouri punching it in for two touchdowns. Thank God they did because there was that entire segment of the the broadcast dedicated to touchdowns for teachers where they donated $1,000 to teachers for every touchdown scored in a bowl game this year. And it was really looking like not only was Ohio State putting on a pathetic show, um, but also they were going to do nothing in the way of helping teachers and the the education system here in America. So thank God they at least got $2,000 to the teachers. But obviously, that was one of the, mo- the the ugliest games that we've seen in uh, Ohio State's recent history, but also just in general, the, the Ohio State season this year. It felt more like we were watching the Iowa Hawkeyes than it did Ohio State. And there's a lot of context to that. There's a number of things I want to get to with you tonight, including whether or not this is 
rock bottom for Ryan Day and his time at Ohio State? Uh, I think that's a really good question uh, that we should, that I, that I want to address sort of in this first segment. But I do, in general, just want to kind of talk about the the game at, at, at face value and what we witnessed tonight. Because even though it was a lot of bad, especially on the offensive side of the ball, there was some good things that we saw in this game as well and potential for some more good uh, in 2024 if some players are, are truly coming back and committed to this program longer term and, and not necessarily just going pro. So uh, I guess I'll start in that vein with the fact that I, I'm, I'm trying to balance freaking out completely and saying, yeah, the sky is falling on the Ohio State Buckeyes program with the fact that there is some important context here. The Buckeyes obviously didn't have Kyle McCord. He entered the transfer portal. He has signed off and and gone to Syracuse. Um, On top of that, you have Devin Brown starting, and it seems like the game plan was obviously built around him specifically as expected as the guy taking reins of this offense. And then he goes down early in this game, and I do think that threw things – sort of for a loop. Now, where the questions for Ryan Dale come in is how he adjusted without Devin Brown being out there and this guy who's supposed to be a quarterback guru, if you will, struggling to adapt his game plan in a game that was clearly still winnable even without Devin Brown or Kyle McCord or Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, three points is three points. It's not enough for for an Ohio State team that's obviously thrived on putting up points this year even in a down year, we'll call it, in terms of offensively and the quarterback play that they were getting, uh, you still expected more from this team. So I, I will get to that. But I do think there were some positives in this. I think the defense looked outstanding. Um, I think if you're talking about a team moving forward into next year that can bring back a lot of these guys, and uh, the word on the street is that apparently – a number of these guys are considering coming back. We saw the quotes from, from Jack Sawyer, who had a massive night on the field. Um, I, I can't say enough about the game that Jack Sawyer had, particularly because I've been very critical of him. Not so much just not so much from a standpoint of like calling him out saying, You stink, what are you doing? But three sacks tonight, four total tackles. Uh, uh, to go along with uh, an, an additional quarterback hit as well tonight. And he was a, d- a disrupting force uh, along a defensive line that played very, very well in general, I thought, in this game. And that was very promising. Again, when you're looking at a group that could return a number of guys that may choose to not go to the NFL. Um, I, I I think that's maybe the, the the best thing I can hang my hat on coming out of this game because – Again, being so critical as I have been of Jack Sawyer, and and Nick and I have had conversations about this on this very show. Like, you talk about a program that put out the Joseph, the the, the, the Bosa brothers, and produced uh, Chase Young, among other elite pass rushers that we've seen come through the the the, the walls of the Woody uh, down at Ohio State. That's been missing, and yeah, you've had some moments from JT to to Omolo. To Omoluau, and you've seen some flashes here or there from him. You've seen some flashes here or there from Jack Sawyer. But Sawyer, I think late in the season, did come on strong. And I thought this was probably his, 
I think hands down his best performance as a Buckeye. The idea of him coming back for 2024 is encouraging. If JT Tuomolowau and, you know, Mike Hall and Ty Hamilton, whose name was called numerous times tonight, if those guys are all back next year, um, Tyleek Williams maybe gives it another go. There's a, a lot to be excited about on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe Denzel Burke comes back as well. He had a great game. He was flying up and making plays in the run game uh, from his, his corner spot. I mean, yes. And, and here's the other thing. I I, I was waiting for – because it seems like every time the defense eventually shows, so, shows some chinks in the armor, people are just ready to pounce on Jim Knowles and blame it on him. I can't do that tonight. I, I mean – the guy pitched a shutout for the entire first half. He pitched a shutout all the way until the fourth quarter. I don't know what else he's supposed to do with his unit. He called timely blitzes. He he had his unit playing very, very good football. He was keeping Missouri off the scoreboard. At some point, it was going to be up to Ohio State to produce more than they did offensively. They didn't. That falls on Ryan Day. There's no way I'm putting this loss in any way, shape, or form on Jim Knowles. I thought he called a great game tonight. I thought we saw the best of this Ohio State defense tonight. It was their calling card, our calling card all season, and I think that remained true in a, a bowl game that you, you had a lot of guys still playing and considering whether or not they're going to come back. And I do think if you get a number of these guys returning next year, this defense could be really, really special again in 2023. Or sorry, in 2024. I mean – a veteran group that could come back, a group that's going to have experience, going to be a little bit older. Um, I, I I can't say enough about where this group could go if a number of these guys, Sawyer, Tuomolowau, uh, Burke, if they do decide to return, that, that unit is going to be top tier once again next season. Which brings us to the question about the quarterbacks because if that happens and if you go into 2024 and go into next season – with this elite level defense that brings back so much experience. And part, and part of the thing that you've heard Jack Sawyer and others talk about is the fact that you have a defense that is that recognizes we haven't won anything while we've been together. Uh, this kind of junior class of guys, they have no gold pants. They have no Big Ten championships. They want more, and they want to leave with, with a, be, a better legacy than what they've obviously given to this point. And so I, I think like that speaks for itself. That that's it's it's, a, it's kind of a, a driving force, and some of these guys and what they're going to decide to do here in the coming weeks. Um, but for them to bring the uh, for them to potentially bring a number of these guys back on that side of the ball, and for them to then potentially waste a lot of these guys on that side of the ball, um, with mediocre or meddling quarterback play, yes. That is 100% a concern going into next season that I have and I'm sure Nick has uh, when we get to pick his brain and sort of see where he's at with all this. Again, Nick not joining us for the live show tonight. He had a family situation come up. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe he's just recovered from his eyes bleeding from everything that we just watched. No, I'm kidding. He he does have a family situation, which he will uh, surely be back uh, coming up next week when we when we do the show again. Uh, our next episode but we wanted to stick with doing a live show and i'm here with you talking about it i appreciate those of you jumping in the comments i'm going to get to whether or not this is rock bottom for ryan day 
Um, I, a lot of different people chiming in. I do appreciate it because I'm going to need you guys certainly jumping in throughout to give us some some content here for the for the remainder of the show. I want to go to uh, Radu, who chimes in a whole bunch on the show. We always appreciate your listenership and your commentary uh, when we do these live shows on YouTube. He says they will never win anything with Ryan Day running the ship into the ground. Um, I'm seeing a lot of comments about how the Buckeyes, this one comes from 216 Die Hard. Buckeyes are soft, just like the city of Columbus. Maybe a little bit harsh towards the city of Columbus. I don't, I don't know that they appreciate that one. But the Buckeyes certainly uh, feel like they are becoming a soft team. More questions about Ryan Day. Ryan Day is the problem. The only Ryan Day is the problem, the only problem. Why is Parker Fleming here? Ryan Day. Why was our center suspended for something soft? Ryan Day. He is the problem. Yeah, that was an interesting conversation I, I, I picked up on leading into this game in that you had a, a different sort of setup to the offensive line in starting uh, Matt Jones at center tonight instead of Carson Hinsman. And I don't know how much that played into things. There was a couple of false start and there was a delay of game penalty early on. Uh, the pre-snap stuff was an issue early on in this game. And I don't know how much those sort of the shuffling of, of players around that defensive line were a factor in that. But I do think um, there was some questions there as to why that was the case and why he was tweaking some things here in a, a bowl game, you know, changing what's kind of, I guess, worked to an extent for this team or what was the status quo for this team. And I don't know. I don't know that I have a full answer to that. I haven't obviously seen Ryan Day's comments on some of these things, so um, we'll have to wait and kind of see how he addresses that. But yeah, I I, I think I, you can't beat around the bush with Ryan Day anymore. And this leads us into the big question that I have coming out of this game in relation to Ryan Day, which is: Is this rock bottom during his tenure at Ohio State? Listen, you're never going to be able to tell me or tell anybody otherwise that the, the three losses to Michigan weren't a weren't rock bottom moments and in his time here at Ohio State. But to follow up the loss to Michigan last year, let's backtrack for a second. Last year, you lose to Michigan, but you still make the college football playoff. And you give Georgia a, a damn good run, just about beat them. If Mar- th- th- we, we, We're still sitting here asking ourselves today, nearly a calendar year later, if Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't get hurt in that game, are we talking about an Ohio State team that is actually a championship winning team? Because I think they go on and probably beat TCU if that's the case, if that, if that happens, if that field goal is good, or if Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't get hurt because – Georgia had no answer for him straight up. Um, so I think that's that's that, that was kind of a saving grace to a disappointing season that ended with that loss to Michigan last year. You felt pretty good. Okay, the future's still bright. Ryan Day maybe salvaged some, some things, quieted the haters a little bit by putting on a good show against the top-tier SEC team in the college football playoff. You saw uh, C.J. Stroud play the game of his life. And you felt pretty good about, okay, this season didn't go the way we planned, but everything's going to be okay. Two years before that, you lose to Michigan. You go into the – you go play Utah in the Rose Bowl, and you get the shootout of a game. 
And that game also gave you a glimpse into the future because you have Marvin Harrison Jr. breaking out. You had Emeka Ibuka breaking out. You had C.J. Stroud paving the way for what year two with him under center was going to look like. So you at least walked away from the previous two losses to Michigan with reasons to feel positive, whether it was two years ago, okay, C.J. Stroud looked really good, and he still got a, a plethora of weapons at his disposal, new young blood coming through that's just going to tear it up at Ohio State and be this next tier of, of great receivers at Ohio State that should help the Buckeyes offense and, and, and help them be this uh, just dynamic, dominant group again. And then last year, yes, it hurt probably more than a Cotton Bowl loss, a meaningless Cotton Bowl loss to Missouri does this year because it was the college football playoff. It was a chance to win a national championship. I think all that's true, but you still walked away feeling better about things when the season ended. This is the first year within this three-year window that Brian Day's lost to Michigan that you feel like there's, yes, the loss to Michigan, but also not a lot of positive vibes now as you turn the page and look ahead to next season. You're not ending the season with any sort of moral, I understand the moral victory thing doesn't apply to the team. I don't believe in that stuff in terms of in the locker room, but I do think that from the outside looking in as fans, it feels good for us to find something that we can sort of hang our hat on. I don't know that you're feeling that, the, the warm and fuzzy vibes with this team now after the performance that we saw in that game. And, and again, I brought up the context of no Kyle McCord, he transfers that probably throws a wrench into what you've done all season long with him under center. Uh, Devin Brown gets her in the first half, and that obviously proves to be costly for you uh, down the in a game that you were basically building around him and hoping to get from our perspective, and I'm sure from Ohio State's perspective or Ryan Day's perspective, you were hoping to kind of let that be a an audition or a tryout of sorts for him to kind of get a feel of what he brings to the table, what you have in him, if he's going to be this this next quarterback in line for you and if he can run this offense and run this team. And we were deprived of that because he goes out with that injury. And I'm sure that did throw a wrench in things. But at the end of the day, guys, if Ryan Day is touted as some quarterback guru, some quarterback genius, for him to not be prepared enough, and he sounded like he he had no answers for what he was going to do with Lincoln uh, Keenholz at halftime. They asked him straight up at halftime, what are you going to do without Devin Brown? What, what, what are you going to, how are you going to uh, approach this game? And he said, he kind of, the, the tone in his voice, he was kind of like, well, we got to figure it out with, uh, we got to figure out what we can do with Lincoln. How do you not already know? How do you not already know in some way, shape or form what you have in that guy and have at least some sort of game plan said, I wrote, I wrote all this down in my notes I was taking during the during the game. So the Ryan Day play calling sequences in the second quarter after Brown gets injured, he came back into the game for a couple plays. It was a Henderson direct snap. It got zero yards. Henderson direct snap plus six. Brown got sacked for a loss of seven. Then he leaves the game. They punt. They were backed up in their own end. Henderson, next, next series, next offensive series, Henderson plus one yard. Henderson minus two yards. Henderson plus six yards. Buckeyes punt again. Again, they were backed up. You could you after that second series, you could tell he had no faith, none whatsoever, in Lincoln Keenholz throwing the football. 
Then you got an Xavier Johnson run. He got plus four. Keenolds finally attempted a pass. It was incomplete. Could have maybe been a DPI call on it. They didn't call anything. Um, and the ball fell incomplete, out of bounds. Uh, Keenholz then was flushed out of the pocket. He ran for two, uh, and they punted again. And then you ended the half. Uh, Henderson minus three. Henderson minus three. Keenholz quarterback sneak again, backed up in your own end. And they were ready to punt before there was a penalty on uh, Johnny Walker Jr., which, by the way, I felt like I needed a tall glass of Johnny Walker after watching this game. And uh, that gives you the uh, an automatic first down. And then you get Xavier Johnson plus 17. And then three straight Keenholz uh, incomplete passes. I mean, you could tell before the break that you weren't going to get uh, that, that Ryan Day just had no trust in Keenholz, none whatsoever. And I, I, it, it felt like a letdown that, that that this guy who's supposed to be some some quarterback savant and, and offensive guru just had nothing, nothing uh, in, in terms of answers once he lost Devin Brown. And that does feel on some level inexcusable. I, I You'd be hard-pressed to find a moment that feels more like a rock-bottom moment than this for Ryan Day. In another season that ended with a loss to Michigan – and now this was your display in a bowl game? And I get it. I, I, I don't want to be hyperbolic about what this game meant. It was a meaningless bowl game in the Cotton Bowl to uh, a Missouri team that obviously had a good year. And that generally, I think, you were better than on paper and, and in this game for, for the majority of it, three quarters. Defensively, you dominated them. If you have Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison – you wonder if this – and you're kind of just doing what you've been doing all year. You wonder if this game feels a little bit differently. I haven't even mentioned the offensive line play, which was atrocious tonight, but I do think that plays into this narrative that this team is very, very just soft in recent years. And the recruiting in the trenches hasn't been up to par in, in terms of making them a tough team built for this time of year. And that never would have been the case, by the way, under Urban Meyer. So, listen, I, I – I'm caught between a rock and a hard place when it comes to Ryan day, because on one hand, I guess the feather in the cap you hang on to going into 2024 is that he's, he, he kept together the recruiting class this year, the, a, a top two recruiting class in college football and that you got a lot of talent coming in. But beyond that, like, is it just going to be more of the same? Is it just going to be, you know, the nickname for, for uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. this year, Maserati Marv, that Gus Johnson used to bring up on the broadcast each and every time he'd call an Ohio State game. It seems fitting for the way this team is, is built. There are a bunch of Maseratis. There are a bunch of sports cars. They're fancy. But you know what? You're not taking them out in bad weather. You're not taking them out when uh, you're worried about getting a scratch on them. And – I, I think this team is very much played like that. And I don't think it's just the receiver position. I think it's across the board. I'm, I want to know what they're going to do to address the offensive line situation because right now they're not linked to any of these big name players in the transfer portal. Um, I don't think they've landed a single one to this point based off my recollection and what I've been keeping tabs on. Um, uh, they, they obviously have tried to recruit and make amends on the defensive line with recruits that they're bringing in, most notably in Edric Houston, who stayed committed to the Buckeyes. So that was good news. 
but I still think they've missed, they, they've clearly missed out on some talent um, in, in regards to that area as well. Like I think that what we've seen from Ohio state in recent years and down the stretch of the season is that recruiting and talent on in the trenches matters, maybe most of all. And I'm not going to put that there. There's still a question to answer at the quarterback as well, but clearly the, the offensive line play tonight hindered what keynotes could do, what Devin Brown could do. Cause even when Devin Brown was out there, he was running for his life. I don't even know if we would have gotten a clear picture of what Devin Brown was because this offensive line was, was similarly atrocious for him. So th- there's a lot more questions than answers on the offensive side of the ball right now. And Ryan day is going to have to answer to, to that. Like that falls squarely on him. It falls squarely in his lap. I don't, I don't know that they're, let me put it to you this way for them to be so timid in pursuing quarterbacks in the transfer portal because they're worried about disrupting whatever recruiting situations they have. And, and I understand Aaron Nolan is coming in, but I, I don't know. I, I, I this, No, it's not even a, I don't know. This team cannot go into 2024 and expect that the current quarterback situation is going to be enough. Unless the plan really is to start Aaron Nolan to quarterback as a, as a true freshman, which would be abnormal for them and abnormal for this program. They got to go get somebody because I I think starting the year with this group that they have is going to mean you waste potentially a really, really good defense with meddling quarterback play, and that cannot be the case. Ryan Day, the pressure is on. He's going to have to win now when it comes to next year. He can't lose to Michigan again. They need better quarterback play, and they need better offensive line play. They have some things to address and answer here coming up in in the offseason both in the transfer portal and elsewhere uh, in terms of recruiting and what they do moving forward beyond the class that's going to be coming in this uh, this spring and into next summer, into, into the 2024 season. All right, we're going to take a break from this first segment. We've dissected a lot here. There's a lot of people chiming in on Ryan Day and want to get their thoughts off and their shots off on Ryan Day and his tenure, and we'll address some of those coming back. I also think, guys, I saw a tweet during the game, and we got to get to this. Because as we talk about the quarterback play and we talk about what awaits next for this team and this program at the quarterback position, people were waiting. People were lurking, ready to come to the defense of Kyle McCord. I'm going to tell you why the narrative that we need to apologize to Kyle McCord is a, a little bit overblown here. And I think it's been overblown for for us uh, for over a month. Let's take a break here on Sons of the Shoe, and hear from a word from our sponsors. 